Welcome to this virtual service at Westchester Chapel. Thanks for listening to this message that comes directly from God's Word. To hear more, visit westchesterchapel.org and click on Media. Now grab your Bible as we dig into it together. So there have been years in the past when decking the halls, um, putting up a Christmas tree and the Christmas decorations have not necessarily been a part of my holiday preparations, my Christmas preparations. Most of the time it was due to time constraints. But this year, this year, the halls have been decked. And in peace and order, over the course of about a a week, maybe a little less, the tree went up and a lovely star-like lamp was brought out and two beautiful nativity sets were set up. And I love the decorations. And it's actually been restful and joyful to come home to a house that has been decorated and is 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 ready for the season. And it's kind of nice on the nights where I come home a little bit later and the tree is already lit up in the window. It's really fun to look up and see that in the window from the street. But it's also been incredibly meaningful to walk out of my room each morning and I see the nativity, one of the nativity scenes set up right across from my door. It's on the dry sink. And it is, it's it's a beautiful set. And I see just this picture in the nativity of what we as believers celebrate. The birth of Jesus, the Savior. It tells the story of Jesus the Messiah, Jesus the King, each and every day as I come out of my room. This morning we are in the second, we are on the second Sunday of our Advent series. And we are continuing in Matthew's gospel, where this morning we're going to be in chapter 2. Now, the gospel of Matthew is trying to tell the story of Jesus in such a way that those hearing would not miss that Jesus is the Messiah King and that he is the fulfillment of the covenant promise of God. So the the writer Matthew has included the Old Testament scriptures throughout the gospel. And he begins his story of Jesus with five pictures of Jesus, of Jesus's birth and his early childhood. And he specifically connects these five pictures with prophecies from the Old Testament. And last week we looked at the first picture with Pastor Joyce in Matthew 1. As an angel appeared to Joseph in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife. For that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus. For he will save his people from their sins. And it says in verse 22, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel. The birth of Jesus through Mary was a fulfillment of the prophecy given by Isaiah to King Ahaz. But this morning we are going to pick up in chapter two with Matthew's second picture from Jesus's birth. And we pick it up at verse one, where it says, 
Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born the king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose, and have come to worship him. Now we have this picture, the wise men or the magi, entering Jerusalem looking for Jesus. But I want to add a few details to this picture that Matthew has drawn and paint the image just a little more clearly for us. The first thing to note about this picture is that Matthew grounds this picture in a time and place. It is after the birth of Jesus in Bethlehem, but the the scene itself is taking place in Jerusalem, Jerusalem where the temple is. And it is during the time in which Herod was king. Shifting our focus a little bit, we turn to the wise men or the magi. The magi were widely learned men and priests who specialized in astrology and the interpretation of dreams. And they were they were very respected in the Greco-Roman world. And Matthew tells us, all that Matthew really tells us about their country of origin is that they were from the east. That's all we know. To the east, if you look on an ancient map, would have been the Parthian Empire centered in Persia. The Magi were also known to predict the rise and the reign of kings and emperors. And both pagan and Jewish sources note that the appearance of st- associate the appearance of stars with the rising of kings. So you have this procession of foreign dignitaries from Persia, Magi coming to Jerusalem. Because it wouldn't have just been like the three, I mean, they would have probably had an entourage. And they're coming to Jerusalem, the, the place of worship in, in Ju- Judah and the, the seat of power for the vassal king, asking for the location of he who has been born king of the Jews because they saw his star when it rose. And it, and it says that specifically, they saw his star. This contingent would have, made, have traveled to Jerusalem because it made sense to go where the king was. And maybe they even assumed that Herod's son had been born and they had come to worship. But this visible contingent of foreign dignitaries coming to Jerusalem asking about a new king provokes a response, which we see as we look at verse 3, where it says, When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him in Bethlehem of Judea, Judea, for so it was written by the prophet, and you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Herod isn't happy. The rise of a Messiah, a leader chosen by Yahweh, threatened to unseat him as the king. But as we did with the first two verses, 
let's look at the picture that we see here in these verses a little more closely so we can add a few details to our, our image. Zooming out for a moment, Jerusalem is in Judea, in Judah, which is a Roman province, so a part of the Roman Empire. But they were independent enough to have their own laws and leadership, which was their, their leadership was King Herod. Herod himself was the son of an Edomite from a family which accepted and practiced Judaism. So Herod was considered Jewish by the Roman leadership, but not necessarily by the Jewish people. A more traditional king born into the line of a monarchy would have been a threat. But king in a messianic line of David is an even bigger threat. So Herod goes to the religious leaders, the chief priests and the scribes, and he says, where would the Christ, the Messiah, be born? And the religious leaders answer with a paraphrase of the prophet Micah's words. The original verse, Micah 5.2, states, But you, O Bethlehem Epaphrath, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient days. Micah was a prophet at the time of Isaiah, Amos and Hosea, to the southern kingdom of Judah. The people of God that Micah was in the context that Micah lived in had turned their hearts from worship of Yahweh. And the result was social and moral corruption. A lot of bad things happening, some of it happening in the leadership. And the leaders were corrupt and unjust. And in Micah 5, when he began to talk of God's future for his people, under the leadership of Yahweh and his chosen leadership, we see this verse declaring that a ruler would come from Bethlehem Epaphrath. What Micah is doing, linking the future messianic king to the origins of King David's household. David was a king chosen by Yahweh as king. The Messiah would be a ruler chosen by Yahweh. But as I mentioned, it's a paraphrase. Matthew doesn't directly quote Micah 5.2. The response from the chief priests and scribes is actually, And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. The messianic ruler from Bethlehem in the line of David was to be a shepherd. In the Old Testament, Shepherd is a description of Yahweh, and it was actually a common term for political and military leaders, but not for the ruling king. It was, however, used for the future messianic king. The quote from Micah and the addition of the phrase, who will shepherd my people, makes clear that the birth of Jesus in Bethlehem is the fulfillment of the prophecy of Micah 5.2. The shepherd king is one that watches over his people. Drawing all of this together, the picture that Matthew draws in this second story is that Jesus is the messianic king, the king that the Magi sought to worship. As I was preparing for this message, the question that kept coming to my mind again and again and again was who is in 
the manger. The Lord was asking me to consider when I look at the nativity, which I see every day, who is in the manger? This week was one where I had, I struggled to really, to embrace the Christmas season and to really focus on the Lord. Distractions abounded in that way. And I had trouble recognizing Jesus in the manger. I was kind of working through a couple of really complicated situations at work and I was dealing with some of my grief rose up in a way that I wasn't expecting and um, made it hard for me to want to engage in worship. I love listening to Christmas music. That's a lot of the way that I have engaged. There's, there's a lot of ways that I engage Christmas and, and the season. Um, but one of my favorites is, is to sing and to sing the, the Christmas music and to listen to it. And it's kind of been one of those things that I can carry through even when I'm like really busy because, you know, you can turn on Christmas music and worship music in the, in the car. I can listen to it at work, but I've, I've struggled to be able to do that this season. I've struggled to be able to worship in this season this week and I had to, to pull back and say, and admit to the Lord, like, this is, I'm putting other things in your place and allowing them to take my eyes off of you in the, in the manger, in the nativity, so that I could come back and embrace him as king and remember that he is my shepherd and my provider and the one with me. And so the question this morning for us as a community as well is, when you consider the nativity this visual reminder of the story of Jesus and his birth. That's a part of our decorations. Who is in the manger? The Magi, the wise men, saw a king, someone to be worshipped. They asked for the king of the Jews. And it's interesting, in the book of Matthew, the only place that that particular phrase is used is in Matthew in 2, Matthew chapter 2, and it's in Matthew 27, which we also read this morning in our leadership Bible study. When we looked at the crucifixion of Jesus, when we looked at that picture of Jesus, who was willing to humble himself to death on a cross for us, we see this picture of a king in Jesus, in a baby. And the Magi wanted to worship. And the political leader of the land... And even the chief priests and the scribes saw the child in the manger as a threat to their status and their power. Who do we see in the manger? Let me pray for us. Lord, we thank you for this picture of Jesus, born in Bethlehem, shepherd and ruler and king. There is no question in the Gospel of Matthew that Jesus is the king. Lord, thank you for this picture of a king, both in the birth of Jesus and even in this picture of where the Magi came, the wise men came to Jerusalem seeking this king. And in the picture of a king that we saw in our Bible study this morning, who would be obedient even to death, to death on a cross. As we, your people, enter this Christmas season. Lord, thank you that you uh, reminded us in the midst of this, this season of that picture of Jesus and his willingness to die for our sins. 
Lord, search our hearts in this season. Lord, show us the things that keep us from worshiping you. Lord, if there's anything in the picture of Jesus that we, when we look at the manger and we think of Jesus, if there's anything about our picture that needs to be altered or corrected, help us to do that. Show us, Lord, that we would be able to come and worship you this season. Meet us in the places that we are so that we can come back and put our eyes on you. And we thank you that for this reminder, this picture of the shepherd king, the shepherd king that would defend his people, that would care for his people, that would meet their needs. All of that hope, all of that peace in a baby in a manger. Help us, Lord, to recognize that and to worship you as our Lord and our King in this season. And to bring that picture to the world around us. Lord, help us to worship you this season. We ask this in your name. Amen. People of Westchester Chapel, would you extend your hands to receive the blessing? May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May he lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. And may he abide in our hearts this season. Thanks for listening. After hearing the message today, if you'd like to start a relationship with Jesus or rededicate your life to him, why not do it now? Pray with me right where you are. Lord Jesus, I turn from going my own way and I choose to follow you. Forgive me for my sins. I thank you for dying on the cross to cover them and rising again from the dead. I choose now to live for you and I receive your life into mine. Amen. If you prayed with us, get in touch through our contact page at westchesterchapel.org. There you can find more information on how to grow in your faith and where we meet. We'd love to have you join us.